Welcome to the Go All In Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Bruss, and today on the show we have Daniel Tolson from DanielTolson.com. Daniel is Australia's number one business expert on emotional intelligence, and along with his wife, Nini, they've helped over 6,850 clients and shown them how to reinvent their business models and win more sales. With over 20 years of sales experience and EQ experience, Daniel knows a thing or two about building a business. Let's get started. G'day everyone and welcome to Go All In Exclusive. If this is your first time here, welcome. It's great to have you here. I know you're going to absolutely love these exclusive episodes. My guests and I go deep on these shows. We go deep into mastering the art and the science of going all in. And these podcasts have been created and they're for you. And the idea is to shortcut the path to the success that you're seeking. Make sure if you've got a question or some feedback for the show that you reach out to us via the Ask Me Anything page. And you can just take a little peek at your phone right now and the link to the AMA is right there in the show notes so you won't have to go digging around for it. For regular listeners of the Goal In Exclusive, if you're back for more, welcome back. It's great to have you here. And as I like to say, I love our repeat offenders at the Goal In Exclusive. Thanks for your loyalty and thanks so much for spending your precious and valuable time with me here on the podcast today. Remember, my guests and I are here to serve you, the listener. We want to hear from you. We want to know your thoughts and your opinions about the topics that we're discussing, so make sure you connect with us via the AMA page. Also, before we kick off today, don't forget to grab your free copy of my best-selling masterclass called Master Your Mind and Go All In. It's worth $149 and I'm giving it to you for free. It's my best work and inside you'll find over 15 years of entrepreneurial experience coupled with my 10 years of military experience, all condensed into nine modules, nine video-based modules, that is, with over four hours of content. And you can grab your copy at goallin.com.au forward slash referral, and you can find that link also in the show notes. Alrighty, let's get into today's show. Daniel Tolson, welcome to the Go All In exclusive. It's great to have you here, mate. Hey, Robert Brush, always good to see you there, mate, and uh, good to see you looking better than ever before. Thanks, mate. I've uh, recovered from all the injuries, and I'm, I'm back on the mend. I actually did a muscle-up in the gym this morning for the first time in about a year and a half, and especially after break, falling down and breaking my ribs and having a collapsed lung and everything like that earlier in the year, so I'm feeling really good and uh, looking forward to a little bit of downtime at the end of the year here. Well, mate, you deserve it. I know how hard you've been working for yourself and for your family, how much effort you put into bringing these shows together for the audience. So um, good to see that you're going to have some time out. Thank you, mate. And I'm really glad that you could spend some time with me here on the Goal In Exclusive. This is a new initiative that I've brought forward just from asking. People have been wanting more content, but there's been no real easy way for me to bring content to market at speed or at scale. So I spent the last couple of weeks, really, probably the last two weeks trying to figure out the best way to do that and the way that I kind of arrived at was to create some exclusive members only content um, which has been a hell of a lot of fun so you're episode number six so welcome back to the show we've done quite a bit of work together and I'm looking forward to talking about EQ and sales and just looking back over 2020 and looking ahead to 2021 tell me how has it been for you in this pandemic it's been really a uh I've watched your growth and you've had explosive growth this year, which is counter to normal bricks and mortar businesses, which is great. It is. The, the last time we saw each other face to face, we did an event in North Sydney and it- uh, we were training about 70 sales executives. Yeah. And that was the last time I was in the country. So that was a year ago after being in Sydney, I came back to Taiwan and I trained a thousand people that following weekend. Mm. And then we got hit with uh, COVID-19. And so they started to talk about it at the start of 2020. But being in Taiwan, we're a little bit more up to speed with it because we're so close to China. Yeah. So I said to my wife, I said, we've just got to monitor this situation because if I do go back to Australia, I might get locked out of Taiwan. Mm. And so we had to walk a pretty uh, thin line. And then uh, around came January, February, March, 
I did a quick trip over to Malaysia and I was there to speak to 350 business people. And then I got out of Malaysia on the Sunday night and at midnight, they shut down the border. So if I was going to stay there for another day, I'd probably still be locked in Malaysia today or I would have been locked up in a hotel for 14 days. Yeah. So that's caused us to totally reinvent our business. Back in 2017, uh, my mentor at the time said, I don't know how you'll ever run your business online. And now I feel like ringing him up and I said, I, I want to ring him up and say, hey, have you ever heard of COVID-19? <laughs> You know, thank God, one thing enabled me to run my business totally online and it proves that that model does work. So yeah. I'm really excited. So it's really changed the business. Yeah, it's nice. It's great to hear, mate. I've, I've had, uh, I've done, this is the seventh podcast in two days that I've done. So I've been really going at it, which has been a hell of a lot of fun. And one of the, one of the common themes amongst the last bunch of people that I've been talking to is that COVID has given us lots of thinking time. And it's also forced us to engage from a digital perspective. I mean, most of us were already engaging online, we're already doing digital stuff, we're already working through those sorts of things, but this has really forced businesses to actually get there and to do that. And tell me, was it a learning curve for you? I mean, you had that event in Malaysia, there was a thousand, thousand people there that you were presenting to. It was a really great event it's almost it feels like in some ways it, not to be a bit facetious but the last of its kind for the time being anyway uh, and you know you capitalized on that like you otherwise wouldn't have otherwise you would have capitalized on it in a slightly different way because COVID just changed the way that you had to do that I'd been living in Dubai since 2007 I moved to Taiwan in 2012 and I couldn't get my business operating online in 2013. Mm. And one of the things that I'd experienced from 2013 all the way up to 2020 were people would say to me, uh, you're Aussie, uh, but you don't live in the country. How can you possibly coach online? Yeah. And now that objection has totally disappeared. They go, I don't care where you are. Can you do it online? And so for me, I've had the idea of working online, just the external environmental conditions hadn't met my goal. Mm. And so this year they've all met and I had trained 750 people online this year, the most amount of people that I've ever trained online. And one of my clients from Brisbane, Australia, he's wanted to work with me for years and it was only because of COVID that he's now worked with me online. And he said, Daniel, I spent three days with you online. We had uh, 350 people in that program. And he said, based on that training, he said, I will never go to a live event again. Oh, they really were the last of their kind. You're, you're, you're putting the end to it. <laughs> right, I am. He, he said, I sat there in my house. I've got two big 4K screens, beautiful big 8-inch screens. And he said, the presentation was so good. The audio quality was there. The picture quality was there. He said, I don't have to leave my house anymore. Yeah. If I was to come and do that with you live, I would have had to fly from Brisbane to Sydney. Mm. I would have had to stay in a hotel for three days. I would have had to eat out for three days. So that adds an extra couple of thousand dollars. He says, now I can do it from home. I don't have to leave the house. Yeah. And so I believe based on your words and what I've experienced this year, it is the last of its kind. I can't conceive traveling around the world doing events to 350 people with those additional costs and the resources that are needed. We don't need it anymore. Yeah, it's really interesting because it's kind of like the community in the world has caught up to what it should have been all the time. And it had been the same way for such a long time, meaning live events and people just being face-to-face -face and in a room and doing those things. That's how those things were conducted. And that's just... That's kind of gone. I had a friend of mine when COVID first kicked off, she works in the event management space. And I was like really worried because uh, the, the vast majority of work that she did was in trade shows. So she would set up these trade shows. She worked a lot in the dental space. I think I might've mentioned to you, mentioned her to you before, but the uh, COVID stopped all of those events and she left that business and went and worked for an online live events company. So there was a company out there that had already been doing it, but transitioned at world record speed, brought a whole bunch of staff over and were just absolutely crushing it. And it's one of those really great good news stories of pivoting quickly and, and profiting and, and working really well and helping a lot of people in the process as well and stopping businesses from going under because really they saved them, their methodology saved them, which is kind of cool. 
I, I believe with these online event companies, they're going to be uh, very successful because when we hold our large events, we still have to have people back of house. Yeah. We've got to get people inside the electronic training room and you've got to make sure they're verified because you get, do get these people who get your Zoom links and um, they bomb your calls. Yeah. So you've got to make sure the right people are coming in. You've got to still make sure they come into the training room on time, but it's digital now and it can be done. And as a presenter, as myself, I've got to still present. I can't be trying to get people in the Zoom room myself. Yeah, it's and too so difficult. they're going to become very important. And you know that Uber model of doing business, uh, sh asset sharing, Airbnb, we're going to find the same thing in the digital training space where we will be able to outsource our back end. And that's really going to help us. And, and I know you've been doing this for years. It, it, it's nothing new to you. But for a lot of people, it's going to be that new normal. Yeah, it's funny watching people catch up and being wowed by all the technology and the bells and whistles, and they're like, oh, wow. And it's like, well, yeah, man, it's been like that for the last five years, you know. What's, take, what's taking you so long? <laughs> They've just caught up. Yeah, it's a really good thing. Daniel, for people that don't know you or haven't heard a podcast with you and I or any of the YouTube videos that we've done, why don't you just give us a little bit of a background so people can get to know you, and then that'll kind of set us up for the actual show and, and the things that we can talk about. Well, I grew up around a pawnbroking business. My parents were both pawnbrokers, so I have the pleasure to say my mum was in porn. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that still makes me laugh. I've heard that so many times that it still makes me laugh. <laughs> and so uh, I grew up around a pawnbroking business, so I learned to trade at a very young age. I had to learn how to buy and sell and negotiate. Mm -hmm. I had to learn how to market, and I had to learn how to forecast what was going to happen throughout the year. And one of the things that I learned at a young age was that sometimes you could get a very high price for your products and services. And then at other times of the year, you had to reduce them to make sales. Mm. So for an example for us, uh, during the school term, those about uh, eight to 10 weeks of the school term, we would rapidly buy Sony PlayStation, Sony PlayStation 1, Sony PlayStation 2s, and we would buy up all of these Sony PlayStations and their games during the school term. Come the holidays, all of a sudden, these Sony PlayStation 1s and 2s, we could almost double their price because mm. of the demand during the holidays. And so I'm always looking out into the future and I'm looking at uh, history. History tends to repeat itself. And I believe you said to me, middle of last year, you said, Daniel, uh, the start of COVID is going to repeat itself like the Spanish flu. We're going to get our first wave. We're going to get the second wave. We're going to get the third wave. And so history does repeat itself. So as I was in the pawnbroking business, I learned the buying and the selling cycle. So I was always thinking about what can I buy today and what can I sell tomorrow? What can I buy today and what can I sell in half a year's time from now? Mm -hmm. And so I learned to buy and sell and trade there. And one of the things we had to do is we had to reinvent our business. My parents were doing a great job. Um, my dad was in porn as well. That's a great one. And they had got their business as far as they could. And then we bought in some new blood. New blood is new ideas. And we had to learn how to get money differently. So the traditional way was to buy secondhand goods and resell them. We could also then lend on goods and make interest on the money that we lent out. But that's as far as we could get. Based on new technology, we introduced a digital cash lending system. We could now give people payday advances. Mm. So we could lend them on money that they hadn't even got yet. And we had no security on that, but were guaranteed payment. And so learning that, I was able to take that knowledge there. I built a very successful clothing business, manufactured in China, sold through 50 uh, outlets across the country. I then went over to the Middle East and co-led a team of 17,000 cabin crew with Emirates Airline. Mm -hmm. So my life has been spent uh, in coaching. I started coaching water sports at age 16. Uh, I was a leader of 17,000 people. And for the past decade, uh, I've got to update your numbers there, 8,500 people through our trainings in the past 10 years. Wow, it's a, what I today, a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Mm. What I do today, most people come to me and they say, Daniel, I'm worried about where my next customer is going to come from. And I'm worried if I'm going to make enough money to survive. And so I share with them strategies to increase their sales and their income rapidly. Yeah, I love it, mate. It's a, it's a nice summary. There was one thing that was left out of there, though. I got, I got it. Well, there's actually two, but there's one really cute picture of on you, of you on Facebook that I saw earlier today in real estate. <laughs> you, you, you did a little bit of real estate there for a little while, and I was looking. I thought, which one? Oh, that's the one. There he is. He's still got that baby face today. 
what happened to my neck? It looks like somebody's repossessed my neck. My neck starts at my ears and goes across to my uh, shoulder blades. <laughs> you, you, you had yet to fill out as a man. I was a, I um when I was in real estate, I probably weighed about ninety eight kilos, but I was um, thick. I was full of muscle. I was an Australian champion athlete. I was a three time state champion athlete, mm-hmm. and uh, I just looked at that photo the other day and said, "Gee whiz, I'm glad I've got a neck today." I think it was just a stump before. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the uh, water sports for you, or, right? Or the gym workouts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So tell me, what what are you seeing? amongst your clients, you're dealing with a lot of different people, which is always something really interesting for me to uh, to have a podcast, to have somebody come on, because the variety of people that you see is, is unusual. Most businesses are dealing with customers. You're dealing with people and individuals, but those individuals are from all walks of life. And I'm interested to get your anecdote and your experience about the level of uncertainty that people are feeling and what they're doing to cope with it from a leadership perspective. We started 2020 with a lot of desire. People were really excited. And you know what happens when the clock ticks January 1st. Everybody's got new goals, new wishes, new ambitions, and the desire is really high. What we got slapped in the... Can I, I better not swear. But what we got slapped mm. in the... You fill in the blank their face with this year was COVID. Mm. And what I saw at early on in the year was a lot of disappointment. And when we set a goal... And then we don't achieve it. We experienced a lot of disappointment. So a lot of people did the right thing. They kept setting new goals. They kept changing their direction. They kept pivoting, but there was so much disappointment. Mm. As the disappointments come through, I've seen a lot of people living in despair. You know, they're really, I'm not going to say depressed. I don't want to use that word because I don't think they're depressed, but they're in despair. They've lost hope. They don't know what's happening. There's nothing that they can lock into their future and keep moving towards. Yeah. And then finally, I've also seen a lot of drug abuse across business people. Right. And these are the things that I've seen this year and they've been really good. But what happens is your unconscious mind creates coping mechanisms to keep you awake, to keep you alive. And I've seen a lot of good people turn to drugs this year in order to keep those hopes up temporarily. Mm, So how does it impact Yeah, I just want to jump in there and talk about that despair thing because that's, I I think that's a really important topic and I just didn't want to move off that because you kind of Mm. pulled on that a little bit, but I want to pull on that thread a bit more before you keep going there. Um, And I don't think depressed is the right word either. I've seen, I've seen a lot of despair as well. Um, I've had a lot of calls. I've had a lot of Zooms like this and, and just people saying, I just don't know what to do. We've been lucky here in Australia. The government's been very supportive. We've had JobKeeper, JobSeeker, um, and now we've got this thing called JobMaker, which is helping to stimulate the economy and there's a lot of good things around that. But you know what? If it wasn't for the government here in Australia, I think it would be absolute hell. Um, I I don't know what people would have done because business came to a complete grinding halt. And I don't think that people were sad or angry or despair is the exact word there as well. And what what have you done there, Daniel? And I know I broke the kind of flow of what you're saying there because I interrupted you, but I just wanted to pull on it because I think it's really important if someone's listening to this and they're feeling like that because things are not going back to what they were. Things are different to what they were. What Mm. can somebody do if they're feeling that, that bit of despair to get back a little bit of control into their life. What comes to mind for me with despair, I think the first two things they feel is helpless Mm. and then hopeless. They try to help themselves and we always try to help ourselves. That's why we have self-help books. We go and read all of these books and we're looking for help, but we've learned all of these things. We've applied them diligently, but we feel helpless because it doesn't work. Also, we don't know who to turn to because we know when we turn to our mate next door and our mate down the street and the bloke across the road is everybody's putting on a brave face. Mm. And so we know that we want to ask for help, but they're stuck in the same situation. They don't have the answer. And so we don't get the answer either. Yeah. So we start to feel helpless. After a while of feeling helpless, we start to feel hopeless. And what happens is we look to the future. We want to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but all we see is darkness and we start to lose hope and we start to experience despair. It's like uh, drowning, mm. <laughs> you know, you, 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 your feet are kicking underwater. You're filling your lungs up with oxygen, but what happens is you start to sink and then your nose is just above the water. And I think that's how a lot of people feel right now. And one of the things that uh, previously happened, Rob, before COVID-19 was help was a dirty word. In mm. Australia, help's a dirty word. Mm. And so you just got to try to be a great Aussie battler 
and battle through and keep your head down, your tail up. But I believe what's happening now is people are realising that it's okay to ask for help, uh, to dovetail on what you said about the Australian government. I think they made it easy for our citizens to put their hand out Mm. without having the shame or embarrassment of asking for help. And so that's given them hope because I believe that uh, even in business, you know, one of the strategies I talk to business people about, even in good times, is the principle of the last man standing. And sometimes in business, it's not having a strategy that's 100 times better than anybody else. Mm. It's not even having a, a, a strategy that's 10 times better than anybody else. Sometimes it's just if you can keep your day, door open for a day longer than everybody else, you end up winning all the business. Yeah. And so they, by getting this job seeker and job maker, it gives them some hope. Well, what if I can keep the doors open for another day? What if I can just get another client today? What if I can live hand to mouth today? I've still got hope. So I believe they go from helpless to hopeless. Government steps in. Hey, you've been a good citizen. You paid your tax for the last 40 years. Here's a return at the perfect time. And so now they've got some hope. Yeah, I have That's to. Bl- I, I have to say that uh, I, I despaired about a lot of things early on in the pandemic, even though I knew it was coming, and I was prepared, I was ready for it. I thought my business would be able to handle it, but when it came, it was it was a shock to my system, and things were were really um, not untidy, not uncool. They were really uncomfortable. I was just really uncomfortable with how things. I had I. I had four speaking gigs lined up that kind of just fell into place. I got to do one of them and there was three others coming and I was really excited by it and my business was ticking along nicely. I think I'd had like eighty or $90,000 a month in my pipeline worth of uh, potential sales. You know, I, I would I would win 70 or 80% of that. So business was like going incredibly well and, and across the podcasting business and also across the photography business as well. And then when COVID happened, it just... I guess the way it happened to me is it took the wind out of my sails. And I was like, oh man, I was just really just getting some momentum. And when you get momentum behind you, it, the motivation that you feel from that just is just builds and builds and builds. And it feels like a really good thing. But then the wind is taken out of your sails and you get a kick in the ass from it. And it's like, oh man. And for probably about four or five weeks, I was feeling sorry for myself. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And then the government help stepped in. And I was, I was sort of like, well, I my taxes were up to date. I did my GST. I got a bit of money back on my GST and a, a little bonus and a, a bit more here and a bit more there and a little bit more here. And I was like, well, maybe if we can just hold on a little bit longer, it's exactly as you described. And I rode this wave and the highs and the lows became less high and less low over time. And I feel like I'm more back to a steady gradient now on the upward trend where things have really turned around. But it's been an interesting experience for me emotionally been very challenging emotionally for me uh, personally, you know, because normally I don't really need much help. I don't need to put my hand out and ask for help. I don't need to ask anybody for help or anything like that. But things just went uh, from bad to worse for a little while emotionally. But, you know, with with a bit of uh, positive, positive attitude and a bit of a go all in mentality, there's nothing you can do. You just got to ride it out. And there's one thing that I do know is that bad times don't last forever. Um, and on the other side of bad times is a really, really good time coming and really prosperous times, which I feel like we're on the cusp of. I was talking to a gentleman yesterday and I said, in Australia, in our generation, we've only known good times. We've exactly. only known really good times. Yeah. And what happens is this comes along as a shock and then we learn actually how resilient we are. We mm. are a resilient race. You know, I'm not just talking about Aussies, but people around the world, we are resilient. Mm. And so I, I thought to myself, this is probably the worst economic climate that I've ever seen. But then I had to say to myself as an adult, Daniel, because uh, when I was living in Dubai 19, uh, in 2010, we were hit with the global financial crisis Yeah, and the world was going to end and then we survived. And then in year 2000, we're going to get the Y2K bug. Yeah. <laughs> All I got for New Year's Eve that year was diarrhea. Yeah, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a big a, deal, was it? <laughs> I, I, got, I got a bug of something else. And then back in the uh, 80s, we were hit with the recession. So mm. we are resilient. We can get through anything. Yeah, absolutely. It's good stuff. It's a good reminder.
Well, it's an interesting conversation and we talked, we touched on it a little bit, but I want to go a little bit deeper on it, if you don't mind, because we're talking about adaptation and how businesses can adapt and you specialize in helping companies and individuals and solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, just the, the full spectrum of working out where that next sale is coming from. And I love how you put that where you say people come to you because they don't know where the next sale is coming from. How have you seen businesses adapt and, and what are the differences that you've noticed in the last couple of months? One of the first things that um, I've noticed is that we'd been living in very prosperous times. And so what we're able to do is all businesses across the, the board, we're able to really push our prices up really, really, really high. Yeah. And I'd seen some super prosperous times and I was telling you that that event that I'd done in Sydney was $5,000 for 90 minutes of consulting. Yeah. And we're able to push these prices up really, really high because we could get the results and people could get a return on that $5,000. It wasn't a problem. Mm. But what I've seen people do now is they're starting to adjust their prices for the times. Mm. And whenever you're reinventing your business model, you've got to play with all the components. You've got to change the products and the services that you offer. You got to change the place and the promotion that you're offering these. You got to change your pricing and your packaging strategies. And what I was able to do in my business was I could remove all the bells and whistles and bring my prices down from $5,000 for 90 minutes all the way down to 500. And I was actually still as profitable because mm. what had to happen to earn $5,000 for 90 minutes, I'd have to fly from Taiwan to Sydney business class, mm. quickly run in, train for 90 minutes, stay in a hotel again, two nights in a row, fly back to Taiwan, and you lost all of your profits yeah. in travel. This so doesn't work. $5,000, you're going, hey, you fly the flag. Oh, look at me, five grand for 90 minutes. But there was no money in it. There yeah. was absolutely no money in it. Mm. But today, you can offer the same thing for $500 an hour, yet you can remove all the bells and whistles. And when I talk about bells and whistles, it's even the customer. See, before when we did that event, they had to bring people in from all around the country mm. to do the event. Now you can just log in on Zoom. It's so much so easier. <laughs> so much easier. What I'm seeing is that people are going into what I call is business model innovation or business model reinvention. And they look at what they're offering and they apply. They The first thing I tell them to do is apply the 80-20 principle to all the products and services that you offer. What are those 80% of products and what are those 20% of your products and services that bring in the 80% of your revenue? And what happens is you realize that 80% of the things in your business don't make any money or they cost you a lot of money. And once you cut them out, you don't have to try to offer those to the marketplace anymore. Yeah. And you focus on those core 20%. We also call that core 20% your Citadel strategy. Mm. In my business, I started uh, to do one-to-one -one coaching back in 2008. So the core of my business is one-to-one -one coaching and I can do that 24 hours a day at any price point. And so you come back into the Citadel and you work on those 20%. So a lot of businesses are having a look at what is our 20%? What can we cut off? How can we reduce our costs of goods sold and bring it right down? And by doing this, I have seen all of our customers around the country grow during COVID-19. Real estate offices applying the 80-20 principle on all areas of their business and then growing. I've seen uh, builders growing. I gave one of my clients an idea. I said to him, hey, COVID's here. Why don't you make sneeze shields? Reinvent your factory, mm. use your same machines, make uh, sneeze guards. And he made $40,000 in the first week. Crazy. Making sneeze guards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so you just got to reinvent it. And I believe that once you get creative and everybody's creative, once you get creative, you can start to come up with some new ideas on how to find new customers and make new sales. Yeah, have you seen any? Have you seen any trends? Anything that's sort of new that you haven't seen before, and you're like, "Whoa, that looks like it's going to blow up and be something really big." Microphones, yeah, <laughs> My stocks in Zoom. Yeah, really interesting. Um, I've been podcasting and doing live webinars since 2013. And uh, I would talk about equipment back then and nobody really knew what it was, but I had to buy a couple of new pieces of product this year and microphones. Mm. Microphones were all sold out across the world. There was people uh, selling Shure SM7B microphones, which is a <laughs> yeah. studio quality microphone. Normally they sold for 400 US dollars. People were reselling them at $650. Mm. So communication tools have been big. Uh, in Taiwan, where we live, life seems pretty normal here. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm seeing here is online shopping has gone through the roof. 
I live in what we call a community here. So we have six towers. Uh, there's 324 apartments here in my block. And the downstairs lobby looks like Amazon factory. Yeah, right. Just, just full of boxes. Boxes and boxes and boxes. So <laughs> that's pumping. The other thing that's really going off is Uber Eats and Food Panda. Hmm. And so what I'm seeing is that all of these people who might have been let go of a job, they're now doing food delivery. And these food delivery people are just pumping. And so for me, I don't have to leave my house anymore. <laughs> I can get anything delivered at any time of day. So I'm seeing that. I'm also seeing a lot of domestic travel. And so in Taiwan, we're not traveling out overseas, but the hotels have dropped their prices, but there's a lot of in-house travel or in-country travel. Yeah, so nice. I'm seeing that, but I haven't been outside of the country, so I can't really give you a good idea of what's happening outside of where I am. Have you had a little break yourself? Have you traveled internally, domestically yourself with your family? Yeah, I had a um, I had my first COVID meltdown, so I had to go internal. <laughs> I had to go do some personal development. Uh, we we live here in the north of the island. Our island's 377 kilometres long, so we went from the north down to the south, and we had a beautiful uh, getaway on the beach. Nice. And that was nice because I had been living here since 2013 and never been to the beach. Oh gosh, as an Aussie so, that grew up on the water as well. Yeah, the water's in the blood, and. Yeah. Um, and here I am, I haven't been able to do it. So that's been really nice. And a lot of hotel stays, you know, we've got beautiful hotels here, uh, five-star hotels. You can stay in there for a hundred bucks US a night at the moment. So, so we're gobbling that up. Yeah, thank you. Know, you. you go for dinner or you can stay in a hotel. What do you want? We'll yeah. go and stay in the hotel. Yeah, the hotel. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. Oh, that's that's really interesting because we're having, uh, we're having similar things here around Christmas time. Same thing, the foyer of the apartment block where I live in. It looks like, uh, as you say, the factory of eBay or Amazon, something like that, like a distribution center. It's really interesting. And the e-commerce, little e-commerce business that I've got is doing exceptionally well. And I'm finding... The trend, the trend that I've noticed with the people that I've been working with and the, and the types of clients that I work with are slightly different to the ones that you do is the online economy seems to be insulated from the offline bricks and mortars type spaces. And it's not, you know, the, the mainstream media here in Australia would have you think that, you know, the sky is falling and all businesses are collapsing. But as I walk around my local area in Cronulla, I don't see that. Things are, are pretty normal. Everything's open. There's there's bums on seats there's queues to get into cafes on a Sunday morning and a Sunday morning it's like busier than ever and I don't remember it not being that busy maybe for a couple of months it was a bit slower but it's really come back now particularly around summertime but I found that the online stuff really has accelerated and one of the things that kind of one of the things that that reminds me of is that there's no less money in the world there's still the same amount of money in the world in December 2020 as there was in 2019 in December. Maybe there's more money in the world because more has been printed and there's more people and there's more economics, there's more economic activity, but the distribution of that money is quite different to what it was a year ago. So I've found if you're not online or have some sort of side hustle or some sort of income online, then you will be exposed to all of the negative sentiment and the neg negativity in the mainstream media and what's happening in mainstream society online. It's a completely different kettle of fish. We've got to remember that PR stands for propaganda. Mm. We can never forget that. PR is propaganda. And if, the, if we buy into that, what happens is we start to buy all the insurance products. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> we buy insurance, we buy insurance, and, and you just watch where that money goes. You know, one, one trend that I'm seeing is that, you know, I mentioned it earlier on, was people would say to me, you're Aussie, but you live in Taiwan. How can you do coaching and consulting online? Now, the trend here is that people are buying differently now. Yeah. Aussies were very skeptical of the internet in 2019, 2020. It's their best friend, whether it be Pornhub or Amazon.com. True. That's <laughs> it's dead their, right. It's their best friend. Yeah. So they're now trusting it. And even like online consulting and online selling. One of my clients, uh, he was doing door-to-door -door sales in 2019 and he was struggling to make ends meet because he had to see so many people face-to-face. -face. He changed careers and he got into selling and he was in an office. Uh, COVID come along, they said, just sell from home, just work on the internet. And he's now doing a six-figure income. Nice. And so what he said, people are happy to buy online and he sells money, but also the business that he's in you can borrow money to buy a car, but they'll even go out and do the purchase and the negotiation of the car for you and have it shipped to your front door. Okay, you don't have to do any so, of it. 
And so now, like, I, I, I thought I bought a new car in 2013 and my brother went and did all the negotiation for me. Mm. And I thought that was great because I hate to go to car yards. I don't want to get sold to. I just want what I want at a good price. Not a, not a ripoff, but at a good price. And so now they offer this service. And I think that is only going to get better. My clients in real estate, I also saw them doing virtual home inspections, virtual mm. open homes, virtual auctions. And so even how you buy a house today, you don't even have to go and inspect it. You can send somebody to inspect it and you can buy online. And we're talking, you know, six, $700,000 online. Mm. So that's it. For me, that's a pretty significant trend there, just there with money. Yeah, it sounds like a, uh, a new normal there. People are always talking about the new normal, but what is the new normal? And I think, uh, I think you nailed it there. It's uh, good stuff. Well done. Well said. Well, even though we're in a uh, new era of a new normal, we still need emotional intelligence to be selling with. And I want to segue into that a little bit, if I may. If somebody's listening to this and they're not really sure about the emotional intelligence topic or what EQ means, can you just kind of give us a little bit of a a 50,000 foot view and why it's important? Because it's a buzzword that's out there and a lot of people have heard it and they'll kind of roll their eyes at it and, oh my God, what is this like? Is this, as a guy, is this girly, touchy-feely stuff that I've got to get into? And no, it's nothing like that. Let's, uh, Let's hear it from you. What is it and how does it help? Let's not go 50,000, let's go 60,000. All right, we'll go a bit higher. We'll go higher uh, and we'll simplify it. It's being street smart. Mm. Beautiful, I love it. intelligence is being street smart and we can put all the cocky bells and whistles on it and make it sound great for corporate and, you know, Rob, uh, 75% of the world's fortune, 500 companies are investing in emotional intelligence. Yeah, it means bullshit in corporate. Yeah. What it means in the real world on the street is being street smart. And what happens is when you're on the streets, you have to be self-aware. You've got to know what you do really, really well, and you need other people to fill in the blind spots. So emotional intelligence is about being street smart. And there's five pillars of emotional intelligence, and all of these can be improved over time. So we've been brought up in a generation that's been told that if you have a high IQ, that will make you successful. Mm. I have a high IQ. I'm happy to say I've got a very high IQ. It's 135. Right. It's in the top two percentile. (laughs) But the problem was when I grew up, I was told I was stupid and I was dumb. And so what happens is I didn't believe I was intelligent. Mm. So I stopped using my intelligence. And so self-awareness brings this back into your awareness and you start to become aware of your strengths and your weaknesses, of your preferences and what you like and what you don't like. And what I talk to business people about, Rob, is that within self-awareness, you've got to be aware of four key things. You've got to be aware of how you approach problems and challenges. You have to face problems and challenges every single day in your business. And some people are very aggressive in solving problems. Other people are more hesitant. Now, both have their benefits, but you've got to be make sure you're using the right approach at the right time. Throughout our day, we have to deal with people and contacts. And some people are very persuasive and enthusiastic, but that can be a real turnoff yeah. to other people. Other people are more reflective and reserved. And so you've got to choose the right approach for the right person. And this significantly impacts your ability to sell. We also have how we approach the pace and the consistency of the environment. Where I struggled in COVID for the first uh, part of the year was I like a rapidly fast paced environment. Mm. And what happened was my environment slowed right down and I got really stressed because I love that fast paced change. So we're going to deal with the world at a different pace. And then finally, we've all got to deal with policies and constraints. And some people are really good at putting policies and procedures in place, but they're not good at taking action where we get people who are just rule breakers and they're successful because they break the rules, but eventually it catches up with them. And once you're street smart about this, you can start to figure out what is the best angle of attack. And I know you've got an aviation background and the angle of attack is how you take off and you put the nose towards the sky Mm -hmm. of the aircraft or when you come in and you attack the runway and you dip the nose down. Too many degrees, too high or too low can be a disaster. Mm -hmm. So we get street smart and we say, what's the best approach here? 
Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, to continue with the aviation analogy, you have a thing in all aeroplanes called a critical AOA, critical angle of attack. And most aircraft are engineered at 16 degrees is a random aviation fact for you. But some aircraft, um, some fighter jets, for instance, can go well beyond that 16 degrees and almost sit on their tail. And it's a really good analogy in life and in and around EQ as well, because EQ is a measure of your emotional intelligence. IQ is the measure of your intellectual intelligence, right? So I think if you if you can get past that critical angle of attack and understand where your blind spots are and fill in the gaps with those things, that can really help accelerate your results in all aspects of your life. I know that I've been on the receiving end of some of the things that you teach and that, that you've, uh, some of the assessments that you've have, and they they pegged me nicely. They pegged me beautifully and, they, and, and it kind of highlights to me what my blind spots are because a lot of the time in life, you, you end up focusing on your strengths and you don't spend much time focusing on your weaknesses. But if I, if I spend just 5% more time on my weaknesses, the result that I get is 20 or 30% better. And if I spend a dedicated amount of time trying to resolve the weaknesses that I have, the blind spots that I have in any aspect of my life, whether that's emotional intelligence or actually professional skill or, or whatever it is that I'm trying to do or learn, the results are exponential. So it's a really important subject and topic. And maybe can you share like a, a case study of a client, like a success story where someone came to you and had this problem and then you helped them to do something simple, but it got them a, a really big result? Because I think that would highlight what it is that I'm trying to say here. Mm. The first thing that um, I learned from a very successful client of mine in the UK, he said, Daniel, it's not what you know that hurts you. It's what you don't know that yeah. hurts you. And he also had a military background. And so I think a great case study would be, I was working with a, a group of businessmen and they'd started their business and they were great technicians. They were great on the tools. They started the business and they said, WT. Yeah. What do we do now? Yeah. The only thing they could do was to throw their time and energy at their business. And they just threw all their time and energy. And eventually they're working seven days a week. They're working 12 and 13, 14 hours a day. And that was the only strategy they had. Mm. And so they reached out to a business coach in uh, North Sydney. And the business coach uh, said, you've got to go and speak to Daniel Tolson. So they rang me and they said, I was told that you could help us. Can you teach us NLP? I said, what the hell do you want to learn NLP for? And they said, because we have this fear of losing traction. Right. I said, a fear of what? And they said, we have a fear of losing traction. I said, what does that mean? They said, well, we've thrown all of our time and energy and money at the business. And now we're afraid that if we stop, it's all going to collapse. Mm. And so I said, well, you don't need NLP. We're going to start to have a look at your levels of emotional intelligence. So we started to have a look at how the leader was leading the business. Now, he was a very ambitious guy, but because he was under stress, he was coming across very aggressive. So imagine that you, you're calling out a professional out to sell your property and they come out, they think they're ambitious, but they're very aggressive. Mm. And so what was happening is coming across very aggressive in front of the customers. The other thing that was happening was because he was under pressure, he was very messy with his paperwork. So he's aggressive and he's messy and he's very inconsistent. He's making promises that he can't keep and he's bringing back to the business not enough detail. And so over-promising, under-delivering. Yeah. Now, he was also in the leadership role in the business at that time. And so what he thought he was doing, he thought he was driving and getting everybody pumped up, but he was overly demanding. He was asking more from his team than they could actually deliver. Mm. And so that created stress. The other thing was that he was also independent and he was a rule breaker. So he's demanding and he's saying, do this, do this, do what I say, not what I do. And so here, his approach to sales and leadership was costing him his reputation. And eventually he didn't get respect from his customers or his team. And that was the true fear of losing traction. Mm. And so we had a look at their angle of attack. So he's attacking customers aggressively. He's attacking his team demandingly. He's going out there and he's a rule breaker and he's unstructured. And so we worked on that angle of approach. Today, he's more venturesome and he is more strong-willed when it comes to approaching problems and challenges, but he's not aggressive. His sales in his business have gone from about 134000 a month 
I spoke to him yesterday. He said, we've just done our personal best, $280,000 a month. Wow, more than doubled Obviously, it. Obviously, he was really careless with the details, but now he's really neat. Yeah. And so they were able to reinvent the business by reinventing themselves. And the thing you've got to remember in business, the fish rots from the head down. Yeah, so it's, it's, a scary, got, it's a scary analogy. <laughs> we gave him a checkup from the neck up and he's back and the business is booming. So that's a great example. The product and service remain the same, but it was the approach that changed. Well, why do you think, Daniel, that people people recognize that they need help, that they've obviously put their hand up to get some help and, and they reached out to you, which is, is great. That's the first step, right? A lot of people don't even get that far and they end up dying in the vine because of it. So why is it that they're unable to solve their own problems because they those folks recognized there was a problem but they were unable to solve it themselves with all of the self-help all of the street smarts and stuff that are out there if i went and googled you know aggressive sales tactics or aggressive leaders or a, an aggressive boss there's probably a thousand self-help things that they could do but they didn't do that why do you think that they were unable to do it for themselves well let me ask you a question have you ever had crabs before <laughs> no but i understand it's very itchy i've had nits before well what we have in today's society is we have what's called a crab mentality yeah and we're surrounded by people who love us and support us and say i want the best for you and we go and start a business and our family says to us why don't you just stay in your job why don't you just play it safe it's not good right now mm. to start your own business and so what happens is people say things to us what sounds like love, but it's actually limiting. Yeah. And so what happens is if my mum says to me, why don't you play it safe? I don't want to let my mum down. So I might not pursue my goals in case I let mum down. But what mum's doing is she's projecting her fear of a loss of stability onto me. Mm. And so we call this the crab mentality. And what happens with crab mentality was it happened, it started in China. The Chinese fishermen would go out and they'd fish for crabs and they'd put the cray pot in the water. They'd pull the cray pot out and there'd be a crab in there. They'd take the crab out and they would put it in a cray pot. And what they'd realize is that the, the, the crab would put its pincers outside the pot, pull itself out of the pot and scuttle away to freedom. Mm -hmm. But one day the Chinese fishermen put two crabs in the cray pot and none of them got out. And he looked at it and he said, what's going on here? And every time one of the crabs tried to get out of the crab Pot, the the crab pot the other crab pulled it back down and so what we know today is that crab mentality says if i can't have it neither can you right and so we want to ask for help but we don't want to let down our friends we don't want to go against what our family said and so we don't ask for help that's the first thing the other thing that i believe in australia and in other european parts of the world is we build monuments to our struggles now I'm for all, I'm for Anzac Day to celebrate the diggers, but what happens is we build monuments to our struggles. How many times do you see them building a monument for the young teenage boy who helped carry the old granny's groceries across the road? <laughs> we don't build monuments to that. Mm. And so sometimes we're the old Aussie battler and we think it should be hard. And so we get to a stage where about 95% of the population, Rob, they believe they're emotionally intelligent and they think they've got all the strengths and all the tools to do it themselves. But only 10 to 15% of the population are actually emotionally intelligent enough to realize that they can't be all things. And so those small percentage of the population, they put their hand up and they say, I need some help. But the word help has a different context. So for people who are weak, they think asking for help is a sign of weakness. Mm. But strong people ask for help because they know asking for help is a sign of strength. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's beautifully beautifully articulated and uh, a, a timely reminder that you don't have to go it alone in this world or in this life. There's plenty of people that will love and support you, even though they might be naysayers, they still love and support you and care for you. So if you need a hand, make sure you reach out. Well, Daniel, as we bump up against an hour here on the podcast, I just wanted to say a big thank you again. Thank you for being you and sharing what you share and your knowledge. And I really appreciate you coming on the show here, mate. Thank you so much. 
Mate, any time. Go All In's been great for our business. It's uh, directed a lot of traffic towards us and uh, I've been able to get my story out there in front of people that I could have never have had previously. So thank you. Awesome. It's my pleasure to be able to help like that. And hopefully, ladies and gentlemen, you're getting something out of it. But I've saved the best to last here because I wanted to ask you here, Daniel, right at the, the end of the show is I, I wanted to leave the listeners with some true value because this is the Go All In exclusive and people are paying for the content here and we want them to take away three or four points from every podcast that they listen to i mean if they listen to 10 podcasts here they've got 30 things that they could implement into their life straight away to really accelerate their results and i wanted to ask you if somebody's on the cusp of going all in and they wanted to just take that leap and commit and go for it what are the top three things that you would say to consider before you went ahead and did something as crazy as that (laughs) you gotta stop and you gotta ask yourself what do i want And there's a billion things that you could do in this world, but most people don't know one thing that they want. And what (laughs) we have to do is we have to create a single defining focus. And the old saying is you can't hit a target that you can't see. So there's an old style of goal setting and it's called smart goal setting. And when you set your goals, when you set your drink shit, you got to choose something that is simple. So you got to think about something that is simple for you. It's also got to be very specific. Once you choose a goal that is simple and specific for you, you've got to make sure it's meaningful. Now, you talked about that photo of me in real estate back in 2002. I started real estate in 1999 because I didn't know what to do. Mm. My uncle said to me, Danny boy, you're off the tracks. You're living a guns and roses lifestyle. Come and join real estate. And I said, why would I do that? And he said, because you can make a lot of money. I said, is it going to help me get some more tail? Or, or what? Yes. Goes, yeah, you're going to have heaps of coin. <laughs> and so I got into real estate. I was told to set a goal to buy a house. I bought a house at 19, bought another one at 21, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled because it had no meaning to me. Mm. So when you choose your direction, make sure you do something that makes your heart sing. If it doesn't make your heart sing, don't do it. Find what you love to do. If you're a painter, go and paint. If you're a podcaster, go and podcast. If you're a coach, go and coach. If you're a sparky, go light up somebody's house. Mm. And so what you've got to do here is you've got to do what makes your heart sing. Make sure you achieve, uh, do something that's achievable for you. If you set the, the bar too high too soon, you'll only set yourself up for failure. And so you've got to choose something that's achievable and put a track record of success. Make sure you set goals that are realistic for you. Yes, everybody can be an astronaut, but maybe just not you. And there's only (laughs) going to be a few people. So make sure you choose things that are realistic. Don't set yourself up for failure and make sure you always put a start time and an end time on your goal. Because if you don't have a start time, you can't go all in. You won't know when to start. And if you don't have a goal, if you don't have an end time, you don't know when to stop because there's a time to start and there's a time to stop. And if you follow that formula, get clear on what you want, make it simple and specific, make it meaningful to you, make it achievable. You've got to start small and then you can go big. You've got to have it realistic and then you've got to have it timed. And the second thing, Rob, you've got to go all in. You can't have dreams. You've got to have goals. Once you set it, you go all in and you don't stop until you get what you want. Yeah, absolutely. It's beautifully, beautifully articulated. I, I like to ask the, the other side of that. I, I have a little drill that I use for myself and it, it's related to decision-making. And I learned it, I learned it a, a little while ago. The, the drill is is BFS, so it's body language, focus, and self-talk. And I couple that with the drill that I call start, stop, continue. So if something kind of grinds my gears a little bit and something's annoying me a little bit, what I do is I stop, take that deep breath, and sometimes that deep breath lasts for an hour because if something really is annoying me and I can feel myself reacting to it, you know, I ask myself, what would my, what would my 60 year old self say 20 years into the future? Would he react like this? Would he behave like this? With the benefit of time, he would probably be pretty chilled and shrug his shoulders and go, hey man, you know, it's not such a, such a drama. What are you making such a, a mess of, of it for? So mm-hmm. I always look at my body language and how I react to things. Then I look at what I'm focusing on. Am I focusing on the thing that's annoying me or am I focusing on the solution to the thing that's annoying me? And then I hear myself talk. Is it negative or is it positive? And then with the start, stop, continue drill, I start, stop and continue whatever those things are, whatever I need to do with those things. So if somebody was going to go all in and they had that smart 
methodology that they use to measure their goals and to do those things, which is a really clever and simple way of applying it. And that's just absolute gold today. Thank you for sharing that. What are the one or two things that they should stop doing immediately? Well, there's only four ways to change your life, Rob. There's only four ways. And I've read all the books, I've done all the courses, and you can boil it down to four things. In life, to make a better decision, you can do more of certain things and less of certain things. Before you start something new, you've got to stop something old altogether. Yeah. So what I would be doing is I'd be stopping and asking myself, what do I need to do more of right now? I'd make a note of it. Then I'd ask myself, what do I need to do less of? What do I need to stop doing? And P.S., by the way, you can't do less procrastination. You can only stop <laughs> procrastinating. And then you've got to figure out what you're going to start doing altogether. And they're the only four ways to change your life. But what you have to do is you've got to stop because all thinking occurs when you stop. You can't think on the run. Yeah, You've got to stop and you've got to get yourself out of the environment. And it's like taking that 50,000 foot view. You've got to get up above What's happening, you've got to take a 50,000 look view at it and you've got to think your way through it. And thinking is the highest paid skill. And so what we say is we say stimulus, pause. And in the pause, that's where you think and then you choose the appropriate response. Mm -hmm. And remember that 70% of the decisions that you make in your business are going to turn out to be the wrong decisions in the fullness of time. That's okay. It's the same for you and the bloke next door. But what happens is if you just pause and think you might be able to reduce your mistake rate down to 69 or 68 and all of a sudden bang you've got your competitive advantage and away you go again yeah it doesn't take much does that and it's not really something that you need to stop doing maybe pausing and taking that breath is something that you should be doing more of as well which is on the both sides of that ledger which is is really interesting mate it's uh been an absolute pleasure to host you here on the show if people wanted to connect with you directly what's the very best way to do that write me an email don't go to my website just write me an email say hello daniel at danieltolson.com and i'll respond personally yeah, too easy. And just take a little peek at your phone, ladies and gentlemen, and Daniel's email is right there so you don't have to go digging around for it or looking for it or remember it. It's right there. And if you've got any questions for Daniel, make sure you pop them on the AMA page and I'll pass them along and we'll get some responses for you in there as well. Mate, thanks again for coming on. I just wanted to give you the opportunity for the parting comment. Have you got a final piece of wisdom for us here in this crazy year that 2020 has been? I'll simplify success in all areas of life down into one short quote. And the quote is, focus on what you want because we become what we think about most of the time and your future intent, what you want, determines your present action. And the only action that you should take is the action of go all in. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah, that's the way to end the show. Thanks again for coming on, mate. I look forward to speaking with you soon. It's bye for now. Well, there you have it, folks. If you want to connect with today's guest, just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links to their website and socials are right there so you don't have to go poking around in Google for them. I've made it nice and easy, so make sure you reach out and connect with them. If you've got a question, a message, or some feedback for the show, you can reach out to me via the AMA page and share your thoughts and your questions and your feelings there as well. And don't forget, you can ask the guest some questions as well if you've got something for them as well. And don't forget to get your free copy of my best-selling masterclass. It's worth $149 and I'm giving it to you for free. Just head on over to goallin.com.au forward slash referral to find out more. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. So whatever it is that you're working on, whatever you're doing, get busy, get to it and go all in. I'll see you next time. the crowd but I only see your face in all the lights and as the bass keep pounding on me baby I really want to make you mine I don't really care about love I don't really care about happy ever afters something about you gives me hope something about you yeah when the sun
surrounding me, baby. I'm sure we lost track of time. I don't really care about. 